in this episode, helping you generate revenue from the oil and gas industry, then C-suite roundtable discussions, and trips out to the Permian with Amanda number one and Amanda number two. gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, before we get into the episode and our guests, please, 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 if you want to support the show, leave us a review. It's the number one way to help support this show and our other seven oil and gas podcasts by another month or two we'll have three more so keep your hats on folks and big shout out to nutanix they're the sponsor of the show if you need help modernizing your data center and running applications at any scale on-prem or in the cloud these are the folks you want to talk to and for the first time ever on the show as guests i have amanda and amanda how y'all doing doing great all right amanda scott we're gonna call you amanda number one and Amanda Lubbery. Lubbery? Yes. Sounds like a nice Cajun name. <laughs> means the cheese. Yeah. So mine's, <laughs> mine means the heart. Yeah, oh, yeah. Liqueur. Yeah. So you could be Amanda number two. And audience, we didn't do this on purpose. You have to admit it is funny. We have two Amandas on the show. <laughs> All right. So y'all both work for a company that I've known for a while. It's Petroleum Emerging Technology Corporation. That's a mouthful. What do y'all do? Well, we are the Emerging Technology Corporation for a reason. And That is because we help facilitate new technology to either be commercialized or brought into a market. And through how we do that is by the three Vs. So VEST, Validate, and Ventures. For our our VEST, we're able to conduct and organize conferences and workshops and training courses so that we educate as well as market new technology to you know, operators in the oil and gas industry. Okay. You know, that vest part would make a lot of people think y'all might be an incubator, but y'all are way more than that. We are. So with going back to the three V's, vest is where you're investing in yourself. So by attending training or school, you have to pay to be there. So that's your own investment. And then with our validations, we do proof of concepts. Basically, what we're facilitating would be, you know, adoption, modernization, or market studies where there's two sides to that. You can either do a market study for an operator or you can help vendors break into a new market. So if they're an offshore company and they want to come on to, say, West Texas and sell to that market, then we help facilitate the business development and the product, how it would be launched into certain basins. Yeah, I know that world well. So Modal Point started off 10 years ago as a market research company, oil and gas. And I, that was my sweet spot. And the funny thing back when we used to do that work is a lot of time the client organization would come to you and go, we've had much success in Europe selling to the pipeline companies. And they come here and they think they're going to have the same success. And sometimes they fit in a totally different part of the market than even they know about, right? And as part of you helping them with that, you have to help them figure out where they fit and who would buy their products or the services. And I love the proof of concept model. So the cool thing about the proof of concept is you're, what you're really doing is introducing something new in the least amount of risk as possible. So instead of your client coming in and going, okay, we want to sell to Shell enterprise wide, you go, no, 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 they'll never buy it that way because it's a risk, right? 
But what if we take this one little unit of shell, what if we take this one little refinery outside of Chalmette, Louisiana, and we test it there? That way you can validate that it makes a business impact in a positive way. Then maybe later it will roll out through the rest of the shell. So you're kind of minimizing that risk, but then you're helping your clients get a foot in the door where normally they wouldn't do. And in this industry, that's a really hard thing to do. That's right. And so that's where, you know, we bring in our consultants and we have academic, you know, experts who are able to facilitate that communications to the operator end user. So when we work with universities, we can go in and use their labs and build that case history or the research to back what type of information they're trying to deliver for a quicker adoption. And you said three Vs, and we've talked about two. Right. So then Mm -hmm. ventures. So with that, we are like an incubator, and we create our own IP. So we're self-incubating our own ideas, as well as doing business development or helping startups get investors and Not really being a broker, but working with them to product develop, to, you know, make sure that they are not providing a thing that isn't needed or necessary, but helping them make sure they, you know, have something that they're applying to the industry to fix a problem. Yeah, Amanda, number two, we mentioned business development a couple of times. I think that's a little bit of your world, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, and so you're doing business development. Now, from the outside looking in, to me, that almost looks like you're herding cats. So you're having to (laughs) find problems in the oil and gas industry and then try to match that problem with one of y'all's clients. And then you got to try to make them see that they should work together. And then you got to keep them at the same pace at the same time. So hopefully eventually they close a deal. That's a lot of work. It is, you know, kind of to piggyback off that, one of our biggest, I would say, money makers is a frack school that we offer. And we have the most up-to-date frack technology because of the professors and people that Amanda knows and have worked with our staff a long time. So we'll go in and actually, that would be able to, you know, I guess, earn their CDUs each year. And then so showing and selling the frack schools is something that big companies, operators really want to, again, invest their staff into. So they'll pay for us to come in and we will educate them as much as we can. I didn't even know y'all did that, right? That's really awesome because I think what, Mm -hmm. and maybe I'm wrong, but I think what you're really doing is helping to drive efficiencies and safety, right? The people out in the fields, they get the right training. It has to make them safer and it has to make them more productive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yes, that's very much so. It's bringing the new ways to improve your efficiency through various technologies into your company without us selling any products. This is strictly an educational, unbiased class that these staff members will be placed into. Yeah. So in say 2019, if y'all recommend doing it this way, number one, and things change in 2020, you might recommend it do it this way, number two, but because you're not biased, you don't care who makes number one and number two. You're just trying to get the best information out there to yes, your clients. That is something we really have to express that we are not taking people in, you know, just say from Halliburton, talk about frack and they're pitching all of their new, how do you say, just technical advances, you know, and materials that they've been using. We will have somebody who probably understands all of the inner workings of Halliburton just on the research and science side, and they'll come in and use their examples, more or less. That is really cool. So that's back to the whole education component of what y'all do, right? That's right. And being more 
on the business development side, we use that for everything. You know, you do have to gain your clients and build that trust and relationship with them. So, you know, we have long-standing relationships with service companies and operators, and that is what helps us, you know, introduce new technology in that aspect of the ventures and adoption. But back to, you know, Mm -hmm. the events and things like that, one that we had, you kind of questioned earlier about how do we determine what technology is kind of needed in the industry right now? Well, we hit a topic about flaring. We went to Midland, had a great turnout because we had people from, of course, operators speaking, government officials. We had environmental executives come in so they could really give us the current and future information. And we call them our roundtable discussions because they're very small, they're very exclusive. And these C-suite people get to come in and brainstorm with each other, share ideas, hear what's coming down the pipeline as far as, well, we've got to change this in the oil industry. And that gives them a better heads up. And so that is something that varies. We'll probably be doing something on produced water soon in the same aspect that they can come in and learn their, who their competition is, but also really engage in how to make the oil industry efficient because we all end up working together. Yeah, that produced water thing's an issue. Yes. Yeah. How was the drive to Midland? I lived there for 16 years. Oh, did you really? Yes. I have been there since I was 17. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, we have one of our live events there. And no matter how we try to get there, there's always something happens. Either a road is flooded out or there's bad weather and the plane can't land. Like we've never found an efficient way. And for a little while, we found a charter service that had private buses and you had Wi-Fi. So it was great. And then they sold them. Well, when the oil field service company bought the whole thing just to show their people back. It's like, darn it. So love our people out in Midland. Like I said, we have one of our live events there. Amanda, number one, I want to come back to you real quick. A lot of the stuff we talked about seems like it would ring around startups and entrepreneurs, but y'all also work with really big companies that have either a new product or service they want to introduce in oil and gas, or maybe this really big company's never sold to oil and gas and they need some help. Yes, that's right. And Currently, we have a contract in place with Honeywell. So they're trying to revamp their, you know, what's it? Um, Their core business. Their core business, but as well as their brand. So when they want to pivot into a different position and say, we're a software company, we're not, you know, agnostic to valves. A lot of people see them as control systems. Process controls. Yep, That's what they've always been known for. But now they want to be known for just the full suite of, you know, VR safety and facilities with with having cameras and every type of technology that you can, you know, operate off site and monitor your equipment. So Honeywell is one of our big sponsors currently and another company that we work with. So one sub C and a lot of the manufacturers around multi-phase pumping. That's one of our key core expertise is a three-phase, multi-phase flow. Yeah. And this whole time that Amanda number one's been talking, Amanda number two is getting ready to look like a singer solo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's because we're always at so many events and conferences. I'm 
very used to standing up and talking. No, it's totally fine. So it Hi. feels a little awkward when I'm sitting down and she's at one point in my dominating. Life, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to use my hands. Oh. And since there's no video, so basically what she's done is she stood up and rearranged her microphone so she can speak uh, standing up, which is totally fine. It's just it was funny. Never had anybody do that before. So this is the Oil and Gas Tech Show. I know a lot of what y'all do touches technology. Is there any trends you're starting to see, you know, say in the last year or so as far as new tech either realizing the market potential of oil and gas or the reverse, which is oil and gas industry realizing, hey, other industries use technology in ways we don't. Maybe we can learn from them. I would say the first. I think people are really breaking into the technology because they can see the gaps instead of the oil industry saying, oh, you know, is there a way we can do this more efficient? Just because they don't want to change anything, which is respectable because they're afraid if they, you know, make a mistake, that's their company. Yeah, well, we talk about this on all the shows. It's one of the things, if you're not in oil and gas, you don't get in that this industry from the outside looks like it's old-fashioned. It's not old-fashioned at all. It's risk-adverse. Because in our industry, if you make a mistake, people die. And so if you have a process in place, and even if that process is paper, and you've used it for 20 years, and nothing's leaked, and nothing's blown up, and nobody's died, you don't want to move from the process, even though the tech solution may be better. Exactly. The first thing you think of is what is the risk, right? right? So to the point of that, we have trends that we are noticing for artificial lift, production facilities onshore and offshore. They're starting to adopt more technology for subsea tiebacks. There's still a huge learning curve on that. And the developments have been over 20 years. So the first multi-phase pump offshore was put out there, I think, in 1994. And since then, there's, you know, new groups that were formed. So there's 17X. And what they do is standardize certain things so that they cut down costs for the operators. You know, if you have a standard versus a a re-engineered every time tweaking and changing things, you know, that really slows down the process. And another thing for onshore are minimum facilities, you know, utilizing multi-phase pump, utilizing things where they can, you know, be monitored remotely, operated remotely. And for artificial lift, you know, using technology that reduces high pressure pipelines, using technology that reduces flaring. Some people are still using or not using these vapor recovery systems. And there's another piece of equipment that you put on the flare that actually helps combust the flare so that you're not having methane escape. Because sometimes CO2 is not the only thing that's being released. It's it's pure methane. There's at times that issue happens. And for having, you know, solutions and trends on that, I think, you know, they're trying to get the basics done and corrected first. And they still haven't got everything perfected in the field. Now, when they're focusing on, you know, operations in the way that they can reduce bureaucracy and create bigger teams instead of siloed teams, you know, so that's more on the, you know, operation side. But there's multiple trends of new technology coming out to help, you know, oil and gas companies be efficient and free up some cash flow. Yeah, it's really cool to drive out to West Texas, speaking of Midland. And you see everything now. You look at a field by, like, say, ConocoPhillips or XTO, everything's sensitized. There's no people out there. Everything's digital. They have cellular connectivity, LTE connectivity. And then right next to it's a field 
where John is still driving out in his truck with his clipboard, writing down tank readings, you know. And so we're in this like flux of change. And anytime there's a flux of change, there's opportunity for, for, for everybody, right? What about the opposite side? Are y'all seeing tech companies see the potential in selling their product or service to the oil and gas industry and want to try to enter? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So there's multiple companies. So Schlumberger, when they have their ventures, they will go out and look for companies outside of the oil and gas industry and purchase and have an acquisition over that company. So like Honeywell is working with some technology that they license from NASA, you know, algorithms or any kind of machine learning. You can go out and license, you know, that type of software. So I think, you know, everyone's trying to get their arms around what is the digital twin? What is the digital transformation? Gotta hate that buzzword. You know, and just trying to figure out exactly where to look and where not to look. And that's still, you know, human nature for the oil and gas industry is not to recreate that wheel. So for example, Amazon, you know, Amazon's growing their own software and their cloud-based services. So who do you go with? Do you go with Microsoft or do you go with Amazon? And those are some of the decisions that the oil and gas industry or operators are going to have to make the decision around, as well as the service companies. So I think that's a good enough example. Yeah, it's funny that you brought up Amazon because you and I talked about that before we turned the microphone on, and I can't yet tell you what we talked about, but it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it is really, really cool. So audience, stay tuned. Yeah, it's that definitely was, a kudos for you. Yeah, yeah it was high <laughs> point in your career for sure. So when I think about the oil and gas industry, you know, everybody thinks about operators, right? The upstream side of our industry, the EMP side of our industry is what is sexy and fast where all the money is. But I'm also seeing new technology come in and new companies come in both in the pipeline, the midstream part of the industry and definitely downstream petrochemicals, refining. You know, you got that new Davis refinery being built in North Dakota that literally has no people running it that literally has zero emissions and it's a refinery, right? And they're getting ready to replicate it in the Permian. Are y'all seeing other parts of the industry also look at new technology in a different way? Yes. One good example is Salisbury Industries. I actually worked with them when I was getting my master's and they're concentrating midstream natural gas. And they're one of the largest, because of their technology growth, midstream companies in the U.S., you know, they bring in billions of dollars and they're just locating out West Texas. Nobody would cool? think of them. But yeah, so midstream's definitely benefiting because um, just separating oil and gas, essentially, because of the technology, you can do it easier. You can sell more natural gas. Thus, the midstream companies are benefiting from that, like Plains. Plains All-American. Boy, have I heard that name in forever. Yeah. <laughs> Plains is everywhere. So they are very much benefiting. So Amanda, number one, I want to come back to you. So when I look at Petroleum <laughs> Emerging Technology Corporation, I look at what y'all do, it's almost like a hodgepodge. So you help educate on both sides, both the oil and gas side and your potential client side. You help them figure out where they fit. And I don't. it's not academia. It's like real rubber hit the road results type of stuff. Like what business problem can you actually help me solve? And then y'all also develop y'all's own intellectual property, which means that y'all's day must be hectic as hell, but must be fun. <laughs> I mean, y'all must deal with separate problems where you learn something almost every day. That's right. And you know how I was saying I quadruple booked me and 15 minutes overlaps of meetings. And, you know, we just had lunch right before we came on to air. And <laughs> so we are very busy when it comes to all of our activities. And I do have my finger in every pot 
Amanda, number two, really focuses on (laughs) doing business development and sales for our, you know, events. So I've asked her to come in and focus on that so that I can get more involved with our executive boards for the startups. And we're just plowing away, you know, writing the IP as fast as possible, getting first adopters and taking a lot of trips out to the Permian Basin. The one thing that I'd like to mention is we are building integrated systems. So our, I guess, envision for having the relationships to be able to integrate technologies. So what we do is we build systems and we create partnerships and licensing and um, have apply our experts' knowledge to understand and redesign how those systems are going to work together. For example, if you know you have a motor and you have a seal section, well, what we're going to do is we're going to dominate that whole agreement versus an operator only having an agreement with the seal section people and trying to force Baker Hughes to change their way that they oh that goes on all the time sell their parts. So, yeah, we're really going after the aftermarket, you know, business where the operators really want that to stop. Yeah, that world has changed so much. You spoke of Schlumberger a little while ago. Not that long ago, Schlumberger only had their crews working their tools for the operators. Now Schlumberger will depend on, like, especially Wireline, they're now leasing their tools to their competitors because they make the money off the tool. They don't have to run it with their crew. And it's like genius. You know, they're fundamentally changing the way they do business. So Amanda, number two, I didn't realize that you spent a lot of time with events. We have our own series of events that have grown dramatically, and that's a nightmare. I don't know how the logistics of just getting the things set up is daunting. You know, how do you deal with all that? Well, we definitely have another girl on staff, Nicole, who's not with us. And she is a tremendous help with that. She does most of the logistics, if not all of them. My job is to bring the people to the event and make sure that they're getting what they want. So your frack school, it sounds like it's a reoccurring thing. You do it whenever there's need or multiple times a year. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. This is man number one. (laughs) (laughs) But we actually have been organizing frack schools for 32 years. So we meaning the consultants that work for us. It started at ConocoPhillips with Mick Bekovich, Stuart Scott, and John Ely who are all kind of a, you know, guru within their own expertise in that hydraulic fracturing area. So for 32 years, and then it was rolled into continued education coming out of Texas A&M. And now we're heading up all of those sales and working with smaller independents are our main customer whenever we sell a contract. We have at our conferences more of the super majors, but we're, you know, trying to develop more interactions with everyone and bring the solutions to them. But yeah, it's been a long running, you know, training course for us, actually. I just think it's cool y'all are doing it. And I know how much work it takes to try to pull one of those things off. (laughs) We're getting close. We need to start winding down the show. This is the section where we do product reviews. Please, 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 folks, you want me to review your product? It has to be something gadgety, something I can carry. No heavy steel. I mean, I love y'all reaching out to me. It just is not a practical thing. Today, we don't have a product review. You've heard me talk about the street team. That's our global all-volunteer group. If you want to join, get some perks. we got some cool swag coming out. They're working on t-shirts literally today. You get to join us at if we're in your local geographic area as part of our press team at conferences and events, which basically means you go for free. And if you're in the area when we do our live events like Houston, Midland, Pittsburgh, Denver, soon 
Calgary, the Bay Area, San Francisco, Lafayette, Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> There's another city I'm leaving out. Oh, Oklahoma City. You get to go that for free too. All we ask is an hour's worth of work a week. Basically, you're helping us with our social. And if you can't do it, it's cool. We know life gets in the way. And then BCD Travel, they're a travel provider of choice. They make all of our oil and gas traveling life so much easier. And Amanda number one, Amanda number two, you know what? They're giving away free coffee. You don't have to register. They're just giving you coffee. So you can go sign up, get a free Starbucks <laughs> gift card, which I think is awesome. As long as it's Starbucks. As long as it's Starbucks, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, BCD Travel wouldn't pick anybody else but Starbucks. And then speaking of giveaways, Nutanix, the sponsor for this show, is giving away these really cool JBL Flip 4 Bluetooth speakers. I actually have one. They're phenomenal. We are raffling those off, so we give one away a week. So go to the show notes, click on the links, and get you free coffee and enter the giveaway for the JBL Flip 4 speaker. And while you're online, go ahead and go to oilandgastechpodcast.com. Give us your email address. We promise not to spam you. And then finally, join the LinkedIn group. My marketing team has blown it up. When I used to run our LinkedIn group myself, I had 13 people. Half of them were related to me that followed it. We're over 30,000 people now. It's amazing. Wow. So big shout out to Alex and Tim for being the marketing gurus they're doing. So Amanda, number one, if people wanted to learn more about your company, where should they go? They should go to www.petroleumetc.com. And I just want to explain the ETC. It's not Petroleum Etc. It's Emerging <laughs> Technology Corporation. I get it because it's right on the first title of your webpage. It's right there. But I can see how people would, would tease y'all about it. And if people wanted to learn more about y'all personally, I'm guessing LinkedIn? Exactly. I would go to LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook if you want to get more personal. <laughs> She's married, folks. <laughs> so we'll put all those links in the show notes. So nobody has to be writing anything down. If, depending on if you're on iOS or Android, you either scroll up or left the show notes and you can just click on it. Ladies, this has been really cool. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been exciting. It's, it's really cool to hear about companies doing things a different way. I love it. And I wish y'all much success. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, folks, we are making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck for February. We do not have any OGGN happy hours in February, but we do have an exciting event coming up in Pittsburgh. This will be our first happy hour there in March and it will be taking place on March 25th. The location is to be determined, so be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter to keep up with uh, those announcements and to purchase tickets. The Houston API Luncheon will be on February 11th. This will be a networking event with top oil and gas business leaders, and they promise that you'll be learning something really cool. So check it out and sign up for that event. The Wildcatters Ball will be on February 7th in Houston. This ball is the primary oil and natural gas industry fundraising event for the IPAA Educational Foundation. Proceeds go toward funding the foundation's energy education programs. The API Energy Houston Three Gun Chapter will be on March 20th in Houston. This event fills up really quickly, so make sure to get your team entered. The best way to do so is to fax or email the form with at least a captain's name as soon as possible. If you need to wait for a check, just notate that on the bottom of the form and send it on. We will be sending Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister to Scotland, to Aberdeen, Scotland, on March 5th for DokuruCon, which is the first event of its kind. It is a conference for creating high impact sales in energy. And Mark and Patrick will be hosting a panel and recording a live podcast. If you're interested in attending this event, visit dokurucon.dokuru.com. And that is D-O-Q-A-R-U-C-O-N. 
That's all for this month. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to check again next month for more updates on OGGN events. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.